0: Gentle listener, and welcome back to Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch. I'm your host, Ethan Bartlett slash Michael Iliantoul. And this is my guest, Michael Iliantoul slash Ethan Bartlett.
1: This this is why sh- we shouldn't let you have the script. We should just wing it. <laughs> what?
0: Wait. Is it is it because I do that joke every time I'm looking at the script?
1: All the time. <laughs>
0: I didn't do it last episode though. No. Nope.
1: So That's because you weren't you're... looking at the script.
0: Nope, but I was. Or wait, no, I wasn't because I yeah. Oh, dang it. I was gonna <laughs> accuse you of being technically wrong, but you weren't even.
1: I wasn't even.
0: Ugh. Uh That's the reaction I was going for. <laughs> so, yeah, hello. Uh this is part two. Um you probably wanna go back to part one if you haven't. Uh, listen to that because this is all going to be pretty confusing. Otherwise, um,
1: <laughs> or maybe it or won't just be. stay with
0: us. Who knows? I mean, maybe it won't be. I do. We do re-explain a lot of things a lot of times. Um,
1: we mostly like to hear ourselves talk.
0: All right, listen. Just because like <laughs> something is true doesn't mean you have to like give the whole game away. Oh, oh, you could like sorry. at least let people figure figure some things out. Uh, anyway uh we are sitting in rooms with scotch in them uh we are michael and Ethan <laughs> in a room with scotch um the scotch that we have this time is lagavulin isla single malt scotch whiskey the offerman edition finished in guinness casks um so this bottle has a very beautiful sort of sepia tone portrait of nick offerman on it uh, as a tribute to him and his persona, and probably his character Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. I honestly don't understand what the connection is to like Guinness casks. Why they chose to do that? Like, you know, into uh, uh, the Offerman one, but yeah. uh, I'll take it. I'm okay with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We'll talk about my opinions on it in two more episodes after this one right uh that said i will request that my wife come in and read the rules hey wife please come in and read the rules
2: rule one once the scotch is poured and the glasses clink the scotch must not be mentioned at any time if anyone mentions it they lose rule two no one's mother should be mentioned in any pejorative sense or any other sense not directly indicated by the text of the book being discussed if any mothers are mentioned the mentioner loses rule three ethan must never say the phrase first paragraph if he does he loses rule four michael must never say the words vampire vampiric or any derivative thereof if he does he loses. Rule five, if anyone has to use the bathroom during an episode, he or she loses. However, this should not stop anyone from doing so because this podcast is anti-UTI. Rule number six, the wives are entitled to one glass of scotch or some equivalent beverage. Rule number seven, if four scotch-centric episodes pass with no losses, then everyone loses.
0: And what happens if someone breaks the rules?
2: If one person breaks a rule, they receive a punishment in the form of a verbal stunt chosen by the person who did not break the rule. All that being said, everyone, drink responsibly.
0: Yeah, Ethan. Yeah, Michael. Gentle Gentle listener. listener. Thank you, wife. All right. Pour ourselves some scotch. Say scotch one last time scotch excellent work uh <laughs> should we make that a rule you just have to say scotch one last time before one last the time if you way. don't do it you lose <laughs> uh that said let's take the plunge Slancha,
1: here's mud in your eye
0: all right so, as you know, gentle listener, we are reading the book I Am a Cat by Soseki Natsume. Um, I'm almost certainly mispronouncing that, but uh, here we are. Here, indeed. Um, yeah, so... I think next time, the next episode uh michael you had said you were you had a couple questions written down for this yes um which because when i'm hosting four episodes i only prepare about two episodes worth of content i will uh, <laughs> go ahead and let our next episode sort of rest on your shoulders um or maybe if we run out of things to say in this one you know who knows who uh, knows what we'll do it's
1: not like we after all is this. is is this podcast about a book about a cat or is it about us?
2: Yes.
0: Um, sort of like our, our question last episode about whether the book was actually about the cat right. or was not about the cat. The answer is yes.
1: Uh uh-huh. um, After all, this cat is in a box and might be dead and might not. <laughs> did you just lose? Or did we not make so. that a rule? No, we never made that a rule. Ah, we flirted
0: so hard with making that a rule. My brain wants to tell me that we did do it.
1: But then we asked her sister to homecoming instead. What? Then we asked her sister to homecoming instead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, now I forgot the thing I was going to say, which was much (laughs) less troubling. Um, Uh... Because now all I can think about is how, um, you know, after years of of drinking Guinness, right, uh, mm-hmm. my brother and I discovered Murphy's Stout, which is another Irish stout, uh, mm-hmm. which, like, I will go to the mat for Ireland Guinness, but American Guinness just isn't as good, and I think American Murphy's Stout might be slightly better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my brother and I were talking about this one time, and I was like, murphy's is like guinness's prettier younger sister and (laughs) so my brother was like yeah murphy's the stout you wish you'd met first (laughs) uh Uh, so anyway oh i was gonna say like we didn't make the schrodinger's cat a thing because like then we'd have to come up with another one that was specific to me oh yes and uh i just don't have as many personality quirks as you do um (laughs) thank you <laughs> i wasn't sure if that was a compliment i was <laughs> kind of hoping not but here we are yeah. okay mm-hmm. so i want to go a little bit deep on this one mm. uh, or at least see if we can see if we can get there um so we talked again that question of is this a book about a cat is it by a cat is it just sort of a narrator who happens to be a cat is it about the cat? Is it not about the cat? And the answer to all of those questions, of course, is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, as it always is. But so we mentioned briefly last time the historical context of this novel. Um, and once again, as I said two to four times last episode, like uh, as far as like graduate level papers, term papers you could write about this book, the historical context of i am a cat is like i mean that might be a phd thesis even uh yeah but i want i want to go into it just a little bit as unqualified as i am because um we mentioned that most of this book was or the the text of this book was composed between 1905 and 1907 i think the -hmm. first uh uh single volume edition came out in 1911 So this is, uh, in Japanese history, this is the tail end of the Meiji period, Mm -hmm. M-E-I-J-I, also known as the Meiji Restoration. Um, Mm -hmm. The Restoration refers to, I believe, so this period starts in 1868, which is, I believe, when the, um, uh, basically the restoration of power to the seat of the emperor as opposed to a sort of shogunate uh, system of government. Um, and there's there's a lot about this period that we, you know, can't go into. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the important things, I think, as it relates to this book, is that this period was saw Japan very much tr- do its best to become sort of a modern technological um state uh mm. sort of in line, like basically japan wanted to say that it could be as good as um any nation in europe as far as you know uh technological superiority uh, modern mm-hmm. technology um stuff like that and the as i understand the process of industrialization and modernization was like incredibly rapid in japan like much more rapid than it was in the the industrial revolution in europe of you know the early 19th century um right and so this is part of why again hearkening to something we talked about last episode this is part of why i say that this book probably has as much in common with european and even american literature from the period as it Mm. has sort of not in common with it um obviously the the japanese um uh version of industrialization has its own japanese quality that um you know ultimately you can trace a straight line from the meiji restoration in 1868 to uh japan's invasion of china in the 30s and its involvement in world war ii um and sort of the the you know supremely tragic ending of of that um right but this book takes place sort of right in historically in the middle between the meiji restoration and you know 1945 Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really really interesting in that way as well like i i don't know i'm tempted to say that like japan in 1911 and the united states in 1911 or europe in 1911 that all three of those had more affinities with each other than japan in 2021 and the united states in 2021 do (laughs) um at least in some ways i might be wrong about that but um so all of that is place setting for a uh passage i want to read that comes very late in the book um in our Tuttle one-volume edition. Um, it's on page four forty-one, um, and it's the it's a few paragraphs in, but it's the one very long paragraph that dominates this page. Mm. Um, and trying to figure out who's actually talking in this paragraph because it's one of these.
1: Oh yeah. Um, dialogue on dialogue on dialogue.
0: Yeah. I want to say it's Beauchamp.
1: Could be. Was Cold Moon the one who was researching English literature? I believe so. I think it's Cold Moon because there's a reference to the English poets and stuff here. Oh yeah, here. Or, yeah, that
0: would make sense. Um, okay, so the speaker <laughs> says uh, the heightened self-awareness of our contemporaries means that they realize only too well the wide gap between their own interests and those of other people. As the advance of civilization daily widens that gap, so the so-called self-awareness intensifies to a point where everyone becomes incapable of natural or unaffected behavior. Um, Now that to me smacks of this this idea that we talked about uh, in the last episode of like in film could there ever be a neutral camera Mm -hmm. in literature could there ever be a neutral narrator uh to continue this quote william henley the english poet once said that his friend robert louis stevenson was so continuously unable to forget himself that if he happened to be in a room with a mirror on the wall he could not pass uh in front of the glass without stopping to study his reflection stevenson's condition is a telling example of the general modern trend now, again, this harkens back to some stuff I said last episode about, like, this, this book being in dialogue with Western literature. Um, yes. Like, there's certainly—again, that's not to, to try to make it un-Japanese, but there's certainly, a, a, you know, an awareness of, of a Western novels as well. Um, because this overweening consciousness of self never lets up, not even when one sleeps, it is inevitable that our speech and behavior should have become forced and artificial. We impose constrictions on ourselves, and in that process, inhibitions on society. In short, we conduct our whole lives as if we were two young people at their first meeting in the context of a marriage negotiation. Words such as serenity and self-composure have become no more than so many meaningless strokes of a writing brush. It is in this sense that people nowadays have become like detectives and burglars. A detective's job is essentially to make profit by being sneaky and self-effacing, only by cutting, cultivating an intense awareness of himself can he even believe in his own existence. To no less degree, the rapacious burglar is obsessed with me-me-me because the thought of what will happen to him if he's caught is never out of his mind. Modern man, even in his deepest slumber, never stops thinking about what will bring him profit, or even more worrying, loss. Which, like, to me, it, uh, has a really strong echo of... Uh, T.S. Eliot in Ash Wednesday, a poem written 30 years later, uh, (laughs) talking about the the pain of love fulfilled and the greater pain of love unfulfilled. Or maybe it's Mm. the other way around. Um, uh, Consequently, as with the burglar and the detective, his self-absorption grows daily more absolute. Uh, And there's a little bit more to that paragraph, but that's that's sort of the meat of what I wanted to to quote here. Um, It's, and... Probably part of the reason that this paragraph jumped out at me is that uh, while I was um, rereading this book, I was also rereading uh, Walker Percy's book. Um, mm. Wow, why can't I? Lost in the Cosmos. Lost in the Cosmos, thank you. Wow. Um, I only reread it every year, so I don't know why I would expect mm. to be able to think of it. Um, and i probably read it a couple times it was probably the second time i'd read it since we did our episode on lost in the cosmos um Mm -hmm. and it's one of those ones that if we ever decided to do like revisit some of our early ones like i have a i feel like i have a much better understanding of lost in the cosmos than i did when we recorded Mm -hmm. that episode um which is again, partly because you know I've reread it a couple times, but also the context I was rereading this one, rereading it in this time was I was doing, uh, I was sort of uh, leading a discussion, like by default, leading a discussion on it, mm-hmm. discussion group. So of course, me to kind of dig in and be able to articulate, you know uh, some of the passages um, to other people which is always a great spur to understanding something for yourself um Mm -hmm. but that said uh you know of course in lost in the cosmos walker percy talks a lot about the self and you know the existence of the self and the the alienation Mm -hmm. of the self in sort of the modern era um and a really interesting potentially easy and for all i know wrong Reading of this book, again, getting into like, you know, master's thesis territory, um, mm-hmm. would be the idea of reading it as because a, a sort of recurring theme in Western writings about industrialization is that um, the industrial age, the technological age, almost creates the self. Um, that mm-hmm. it, it has a tendency to separate selves out into individual atomized beings or people as opposed to an earlier mindset that was much more perhaps tribal um that that the self was more subsumed into like a larger group Mm -hmm. um and i thought it was really interesting like in this particular passage just like it it almost sounded like walker percy to me um (laughs) especially when you get into the idea that like you know the modern age turns everyone into a detective or a or a burglar um these Mm -hmm. people who are obsessed with the self as an inherent part of their condition
1: right um and that just really quick i uh, after you read this i think it's sneeze talking because they had the break-in and the encounter with the detective and so he's a little obsessed with that right he is sort of relationship
0: and, and yeah that 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 uh connection is definitely correct like from you know Soseki's perspective like you put the talk of the burglar here as a connection to that actual break-in um right but aren't there indications that one of these guys was the burglar it was cold moon or something cold moon yeah
1: that well they that that that's one of the questions about the cat as a narrator too because the cat describes him as identical to Cold Moon, right. but then in another place describes him very differently. Right.
0: And then so. also, does not does he not explicitly say at some point, like, it couldn't have been Cold Moon, obviously, or something right. like that? Um,
1: yeah, something along those lines.
0: Yeah. Uh, but it, it would just make it interesting to me if it is Cold Moon speaking. Um, because if Cold Moon is the burglar, then, like, this could be sort of an artistic acting out of you know or admission of guilt mm-hmm. or something uh like a it, it it goes back to that Michael Schmidt thing of you know Cold Moon's justifying his his actions to the person that he maybe burgled. Right. Huh. Um or, you know, if it is Waverhouse, Waverhouse is justifying those actions to the person who did it, perhaps unknowingly. Um, uh i was gonna say something else about that
1: the burglars and detectives
0: i don't know like i could see as a a uh you know thought exercise in lost in the cosmos i could see like you are a detective and you're you're trying to investigate the case of yourself or whatever you know it it just feels very uh walker percy-ish um which is wild in a book that's you know 70 plus years older than lost in the cosmos and from japan right
1: oh yes very very interesting that it's yeah, it, it's, it, it it has some similarities to uh a lot of you know, Walker Percy and, and other modern books and thoughts about the identity of the self and, and such. Yeah. Um, And while also at the same time drawing on that tradition of Tristram Shandy and other Western literature, and I'm assuming something I just am not equipped to detect, some of the uh eastern literature as well japanese literature and such
0: sure okay, like... i mean yeah it would be interesting like you know if we were doing a study of japanese literature um in the university that you and i would run um yep this is a, a nudge and a hint to any super rich uh shadow listeners um mm-hmm. but it would be really interesting from here to look at like the tale of genji or yeah um any of a number especially of like much earlier japanese you know uh so the only other thing i wanted to tease out of this passage i guess um is back right sort of at the beginning there uh the heightened self-awareness of our contemporaries means that they realize only too well the wide gap between their own interests and those of other people um that to me and some of the stuff in the rest of the sentence especially uh smacks very much of like um like marxism uh or of marx's mm-hmm. writings especially where he talks about like the uh alienation of the worker from the product of their work um, that kind of thing uh so yeah uh i don't know if you know marx would have I guess it's probably possible he would have encountered Marx in, in some of his studies. Um, mm-hmm.
1: probably knowing English and being familiar with, um, philosophy and literature. Yeah.
0: And, um, Cause even if, uh, even if he, Marx hadn't been translated into Chinese or Japanese yet, I just don't know, but right. if he's familiar with English. Uh, there's right. a chance. Though it's yeah. also interesting to me if, if the, idea is that like Mar like he came up with some of this stuff independently too. like
1: yeah. well, I, and some of it is so similar to some of those Eastern religions, like in you know Taoism and Buddhism and and such it, it, it's reminiscent of uh, the heresy of separateness. Hmm. Um, and uh, also in in Taoism in particular, um you know you the the interconnectedness of all things yin and yang that right. are interdependent um you can't really have one without the other the only problem is when you start showing a preference right. um, and trying to make one better than the other that's that's a problem in taoism instead of acknowledging that they are together and interconnected and and sure. need each other um so I, going on to the next page so the the next paragraph is uh, singleman kid talking sure. and i think here he does confirm that sneeze is the one who's talking because when he oh, yes, he starts yes. talking i consider sneeze's explanation is very much to the point in the old days a man was taught to forget himself today so today it is quite different he is taught not to forget himself so i,
0: I was just gonna say that first sentence uh, in the old days man was taught to forget himself that's very much that like zen buddhism um, yes or even shinto you know forgetting yourself in service to your ancestors or to your your family or whatever
1: right and at the same time this also sounds like i i could hear this conversation amongst this old coffee clutch <laughs> at the you know these kids these days just don't know how to think about anything other than themselves right and <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. It's, that's what's going on here and right. so while we've got the color of all of the the context of the eastern religion and and such it's also such a universal thing <laughs> yeah absolutely um
0: but it's like you know like the the implication is like old people will always say stuff like this and i think that's true yes not yet being an old person myself i'd like
1: to say um but like some of these young kids these days okay but like don't talk to me
0: about these zoomers like i don't i don't understand what the tiktok is all about um (laughs) But like, I th- I think it is a product of it's just ruining the next generation's productivity.
1: <laughs> is all I say.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think I think these these complaints are well, they are like a product of you know provincial mindedness or whatever. Um, they also mm-hmm. are a product of a situation where sort of change is happening and perhaps very rapidly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like our. People our parents' age, uh, or even our age, complain about things being not the same as when they were children because they are not the same as when they were they were children.
1: Right, and that's that's you know that you know young people can make fun of old people for complaining about young people. And they but should. Also they, to there's, be clear, they, there's truth to it. They absolutely should, it.
0: but yes. yes, there's a there's a truth underlying that.
1: Exactly. Yes. Uh, so that's.
0: And any anyway, that's... everything was better when uh, the only playback material available was VHS tapes.
1: <laughs> Be kind, rewind. <laughs>
0: and if you don't <laughs> get that, you're part of the problem with society. These days. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. And I mean, that's part but, of you know, part of. Go ahead. I-, I want that on a on a shirt now. You know, because there's like you know just is it just be kind is kind of like a slogan on shirts and stuff. And I just want to add rewind. Yes. Just be kind. Rewind. <laughs> um, uh,
0: only 90s kids. Um. <laughs> right. uh, I, I mean, and that's like, we joke, but like, that's part of, excuse me, the nuance that often gets lost in this whole discussion is mm. like, yeah, you complain about things changing because things have changed, but like, Change is not inherently good or bad. It's just change. Um, right. You know, it's it, it just recalls to me like boomer memes about like oh, you trapped a kid in the kid these days with in a room with a rotary phone and uh, instructions written in cursive. Like they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to get out. Um, and it's like, yep. <laughs> what's inherently better about a rotary phone or cursive? like it's
1: in in what situ in 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 what what set of circumstances would lead to someone in that situation <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: why why is that a necessary survival to i don't know i mean
0: anyway what that is like, is an escape room and it it's actually like one of the things millennials like that's the most.
1: that's that's from a saw movie is what that is. <laughs> um someone crafted that deliberately <laughs> just to prove the point that the boomer is making <laughs>
0: saw but it's just a cranky boomer is a like reboot i would absolutely watch
1: i would watch that i would watch the heck out of that oh man
0: saw but you're you're chained to a to a bear trap and the instructions to get out are in cursive and like so you when you do get out you have to like drive a manual transmission car uh to the safety point yeah i would i would watch the (laughs) heck out of that um (laughs) oh anyway uh i feel like we've lost the track uh oh i guess the point i was making was like when you complain about change you have to say you have to prove whether the change is inherently bad because if it's not it's just change um and that is a lot more fraught i think in, like, this, uh, this context, um, Mm. but it's, like, partly fraught because of things we know that Soseki didn't know, um, such Mm -hmm. as the fact that, you know, within, uh, 30, 38 years of his writing the final volume of this book, that, like, two atomic bombs would be dropped on his nation. Oh, sure. Um, which is like i don't know it's it's it puts all of all of this book all of this discussion into a very different context but it's hard to say like i don't know how much credit you give him for that
1: sure though again maybe he knew maybe he sent something you know i don't know well, with you know, talking about change, and he's in a context of change while he's writing mm. this, um, the wars with Russia were just concluded as he finished the the last volumes too. So there's there's that war as well as the industrialization and all that. Um, that is a lot of things stacked on top of each other. So in a context of ongoing change, one could only assume m- more. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that
0: makes perfect sense.
1: Um, Uh, Go ahead. Something I noticed in in this connection, too, since we have concluded that that was Sneeze giving that lecture. um, On page 440, this this adds a little more um, interesting context to it. Uh, It says just, you know, the page prior, page 440. When it came to my master's turn, he opened the following lecture with an air of enormous self-importance. And he says, I have of late devoted considerable thought to this topic. And I have concluded that the current marked trend toward detective mindedness is entirely caused by the individual permitting himself too strong a realization of the self. So he's diagnosing this while exemplifying it. Right. um, Which is great. And just a beautiful irony um, that's it's throughout the book that that sort of irony is all over the place um which leads me to a question that i think is connected to all of this too and we've talked a little bit about it too what makes this book similar to and different from tristram shannon uh before we
0: go there because it's like a leap away from what because that's a big one (laughs) um i just want to point out that yep and I don't know if this is a translation thing or if this is you know fair to to assume is a Soseki thing. I have of late has a that phrase mm. set of or paraphrases has a very storied history in Western uh, literature, dating back as mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you know from your grinning, uh, dating back to Hamlet um wow that's a that's a grin I'm gonna take a screenshot of that grin mm-hmm. and make it the episode <laughs> thumbnail just kidding you, you know i yep. don't know how to do that um but of course it's a, a hamlet um saying uh uh oh no i found it and then i lost it it's the lead into the what a piece of work is man speech right um
1: yep yep i have of late but i have of late but wherefore yes. i know not lost all my mirth lost all my sense of mirth
0: gone all
2: yeah gone all, lost all, all, my all my custom
0: mirth. of exercises and indeed it goes so heavily yes. with my dis- disposition etc et, cetera, et cetera. um this and i just like again i don't know in the vagaries of like what soseki would know and and what translators would 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 know and would render um i don't know if this is just a coincidence but it's it's a i don't know i really want to give him credit for it is I guess what i'm saying like i really want this Mm -hmm. to be a soseki hamlet reference i
1: I, yes that would be wonderful because also in that speech hamlet is just denigrating right. everything um it's all meaningless um the, the you know what a piece of work is man how noble in reason how infinite in faculties and uh, it's just like right. it's nothing it, it's he's a quintessence of dust and so it's, it's essentially me, saying nor
0: woman neither so by your grinning you seem to say so
1: yes yeah, just like ah you're making a dumb joke stop it <laughs> something um, we never do on this podcast and that's <laughs> never never um are we rosencrantz and gildenstern are we dead
0: i'd say yes to one of those but i'm not sure which one
1: yeah, yeah no. know um rosencrantz not gildenstern no <laughs> um but you know he's he's saying none of this is important, and sneeze here is saying self importance is the problem, but sneeze is saying this with an air of self importance. I could argue Hamlet is doing the same thing, that just by feeling the need to make that speech, he thinks he needs to make that speech. See what oh, I'm yeah, saying?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. However, like so. I don't know if this is actually a however or a and also, but. um like you know we've we've mentioned i think on this podcast before harold bloom's book shakespeare the invention of the human Mm. bloom at least Mm. argues that shakespeare invented the idea of character as we know it in modern literature right excuse me that the idea of an individual atomized character who is not an archetype but is just a fictional person um that that comes Mm -hmm. from shakespeare so uh again whether this is like us making uh mountains out of molehills or or uh reaching too far or whatever like to fold in hamlet perhaps the ultimate example of you know a, a complex individual character um uh you know perhaps the, the og of that the the original uh would make a lot of sense in this passage and in the themes that the the next you know 3 3 plus pages uh sort of try to embody yeah
1: right yeah i i, I can't say more than that <laughs> that's fair that's all i got to say about that <laughs> uh yeah well uh do you have any thoughts about the question that I asked before you brought us back to the topic at hand you know what makes this similar slash different from Tristram machine um
0: is that one of your discussion questions that you wrote down like a good it homework is. boy it is
1: um I did and it's
0: it's you know, it's good. Right yeah there. well you get an a uh we don't Thank have you. to like, Relitigate our whole Tristram Shandy thing that was sort of a, a lightly BDSM uh, uh, relationship. <laughs> um, I not <won't> do that <laughs> to you again. It's pretty weird the first time, but I'll just
1: Appreciate give you an a
0: name. Um,
1: no, oh, thank you. Uh,
0: but soon you will wake up from your dream. <laughs> Aha!
1: Oh, no. And I'll realize that I didn't study for the test. Yeah. Um,. Can.
0: By the way, uh, maybe you've experienced this, Michael. But like, when you start to teach, you can also have the teacher version of that dream, where it's like you were, oh, yes. uh, you were told three months ago that you had to teach this class, but somehow you forgot, and it's the first day of class, and you haven't prepared anything. Uh, <laughs> I will say I got yeah. like I stopped. I stopped having that dream, or at least the dream became much less stressful Um, once I got to the point in my teaching career where I realized I can just fill 50 minutes by, like, coming up with a discussion. Like, I can walk Mm -hmm. into, like, at this point, and I haven't taught for several years, but like, still at this point, I could walk into a classroom with nothing prepared and fill 50 minutes, especially if it's just undergraduate. Oh, sure. Um, No offense to any undergraduates listening uh anyway um how is this book similar to or different from tristram shandy uh i, I mentioned this last episode uh the idea uh-huh. that like the conceit is uh is almost much simpler like tristram shandy has mm-hmm. to and and you know stern is obviously doing this on purpose and intentionally so like there's that but like Tristram has to scuttle back and forth in time and like scuttle from like things he experienced to like thoughts that people are having before he's born and it's and then like mm-hmm. he is also accounting for the writing of the book that's like clearly happening many years later right after he's born. like it's all very complicated and very complex and uh uh, Soseki, like, kind of just gets rid of a lot of that complexity by just, like, having it be a cat mm-hmm. just wandering around and watching people. And, like, you kind of accept it, whether it's the cat doing stuff for himself or just, like, reporting stuff other people do. So they're, like... Yeah. It's a much simpler conceit in some ways. Uh... Mm -hmm. I mean, the the similarity that jumps out to me, of course, is that they're both novels about nothing. And as I again mentioned last episode, like the novel about nothing is one of my favorite literary forms. Partly because it's like, it Mm -hmm. takes the idea that like you have to be going somewhere and just throws that out the window and gives us much more, I'm tempted to say, like zen or or even Taoist, uh, idea of, like, just being in the moment, like, the, the idea of the novel about nothing is that, like, this is an experience you have in time, it's not of, like, rushing forward to some, like, specific goal or end, um, which has a lot of connections with, like, yes, christianity especially christian mysticism also that like i won't get into because mm-hmm. it would be pretty tangential um
1: yeah but... well there's some there's some zen buddhism in there too yeah i, su- um, I said that too you did <laughs> sorry i'm repeating what you're saying i mean what hey, else? no I, I i like i'm i'm agreeing that this is about the journey yes and I think that's something Tristram Shandy was kind of in a different way. Kind of getting at? Getting at, um, yeah. I, th-
0: I think he arrives there inevitably, whether it's like what he where he thought he was starting out or not.
1: So it, it, it's not that it's not the destination, it's the journey. It's that the journey was the destination, or the destination was the journey.
0: I agree with all of that. I definitely understood everything you said, and I do agree with it.
1: Good. Um, Another thing about similarities here is that's very minor is, like, themes that are more, like, allusions to Tristram Shandy, I think. There's a whole big passage of noses (laughs) in I Am a Cat. And then they recur. They come back. Noses come back. That first passage about noses,
0: I think, is the only one... Where Tristram Chandy is directly referenced, right?
1: Yeah, it's like page 178 or something. Did you
0: just make up a page number?
1: I did make up a page number. It's not page 178. I looked right there. Uh...
2: I marked it.
1: I circled it. it towards that area of things, anyway. Oh, there it is, 146. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Is where um, <laughs> Tristram Shandy is directly mentioned. Yes. Yeah, all in that, that context of, of noses. That's great. Um, uh, the the section what we were looking at uh, earlier, pages 440, 441, um, at the beginning of page 440. There's the line, Beauchamp mounts his hobby horse. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <so I> ju- <sighs> hobby horses. Oh, dear hobby horses. <laughs> that's, that's great too. Um, as well as just the, the idea of calling attention to the fact that the narrator is writing this down. Right. Um, that comes up uh, occasionally in I Am a Cat. Uh, the The most notable one, for me is page two ninety five, um, where he's making a transition here, uh, and then he says. Every single letter, every single word that I set down implies and reflects a cosmic philosophy, and as these letters and words cohere into sentences and paragraphs, they become a coordinated whole, clear and consistent with beginnings and ends, skillfully designed to correspond and, by that correspondence, to provide an overall worldview of the condition of all creation. Uh, and he goes on and demands that we respect his writing um, very well, and then he's... Um, As I indicated at the beginning of this well-constructed paragraph, I am about to describe an aftermath. And so just, you know, calling it a well-constructed paragraph and telling you, you need to pay attention. You got to pay attention to what I'm writing here because I've done things very deliberately and you need to read it carefully. Yeah, and also just like... Right? And respectfully. (laughs) Right. And also just like
0: that idea of commenting on the writing in the writing. Yes, um, is very just that very Tristram Shandy, um, mm-hmm. and a sentence that you skipped um, always jumps out yes. at me. Thus, these close written pages, which the more super, superficial minds amongst you have seen as nothing better than a tiresome spate of trivial chit chat, shall suddenly reveal themselves as containing weighty wisdom, edifying homilies, guidance for you all, um, yes. which is. A just a wonderful sentence, and like let us not skip past <laughs> how wonderful the sentence is. Um, so wonderful, but also like a uh, to me to me the the phrase wait I lost it um, uh, edifying homilies jumps out in the in the sense that like oh sure. Tristram Shandy includes just an entire sermon a sermon and it's you know which of course another word for sermon is homily um homily Mm -hmm. and we we won't get into the distinctions there but like you know that that again feels like a little clever like reference that could be a translator thing or could be a coincidence but it just feels too intentional um yes and then
1: uh, and it also, you know, it's it's saying right there that, oh. you know, um, our wives were wrong for not finishing First of all,
0: yes, absolutely. <laughs> and relatedly, like, in some of, uh, and we know from our Tristram Shandy episodes that like the nine volumes of Tristram mm-hmm. Shandy were published over five or six years, which means that some right. of the later ones were able to take in reaction to the earlier ones, sort of like right, volume two of Don Quixote, you know accounts for reactions mm-hmm. to volume one um but the uh and this is volume three so like you know parts of this story have been published already um yes but the more superficial minds amongst you have seen as nothing better than a tiresome spade of trivial chit-chat like that recalls Tristram Shandy's you know tendency to just like get at his critics and like directly address them and Sort of call them the lowest form of uh, of a man or of society or whatever. Yes. Yes. And again, some of these things, or That's indeed great. all of them, could be independent... Um, oh, I forget the phrase. Like, independent genius or, you know... Uh, like, Leibniz and Newton mm-hmm. inventing calculus at the same time. Um, oh, yeah. But you know even so it's like really interesting that there were sort of two people thinking along these lines simultaneously
1: mhm yeah it is uh to to your point about response to earlier volumes um so that, that that chapter is volume 3 chapter 1 which was published in January of 1906 yes and uh in that month uh, or by that month, um, already, not only had all the chapters of Volume One and Volume Two been published, but Volume One had been published as a collected mm. volume after the after the fact um, in October of nineteen oh five. So there would have been possibly that much more response already by the time sure. this one was published. Interesting. So yeah (laughs) um it's just an interesting sort of thought to go down to to compare the books because i I don't want to think of i am a cat as the japanese version of tristram shandy because it's not It is its own separate novel, but it is heavily influenced by Tristram Shandy.
0: heavily influenced, and also, like, uh, there's a certain thing in literature where it's like, oh, this person did a certain thing, and therefore I can probably do this other thing that's very similar to it. It's almost like Tristram Mm -hmm. Shandy could have given permission to this book to exist. Um... Which again, still like I don't want to sort of, excuse me, sort of uh try to subsume I am a cat under Tristram Shandy, like that feels pretty condescending, mm-hmm. but it's also like, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's like in, in if you if you compare it to like composers, like composers throughout the history of music have like. You'll take a previous composer and say, like, oh, he did this arrangement of things. Now I'm going to sort of use that arrangement as my base and then build up off of it. Um, I suspect a similar thing might have happened here. Uh, and it's not to say that, like, Tristram Shandy is the father and this book is the son. It's to say that, like, this book sort of uh, looked at Tristram Shandy and said, here's a thing I can do that's similar
1: mm-hmm yes yes I, I think that's the best way to to put it um, just real quick that there's like a nod to Tristram Shandy right at the beginning um, in terms of, of noses and things at the very end of the very first paragraph um, he's describing human beings after having seen a human being for the first time oh <laughs> Um. He says the center of the face protrudes excessively, and sometimes from the holes in that protuberance, smoke <laughs> comes out in little puffs. So, just yeah. highlighting the nose, yeah, right there is great protruding excessively. So, I, and so that that sort of nod, I think, speaks exactly to what you were saying—that it's, you know, it owes something to that, but it's also I can do something right. like this, but but also
0: like Lauren Stern, why didn't you think of just. Having a cat be your narrator would have just solved a just lot of your problems. Just have a cat.
1: Problems. Just, just make, <laughs> just make it a cat. Just make it a cat. That's yep. the moral of the story. All <laughs> narrators are cats. I want to think of every every book we've ever discussed and think, what if a cat or, narrated this?
0: What if this narrator was a cat?
1: It was a cat? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's a. That's a. That's a good question.
0: Well, Michael, unless there's anything else you want to bring up. uh, This feels like as good a place to end as any. We're getting towards the end of our time. Anything else I bring up would be at least a 20-minute discussion. Um, Mm -hmm. So, that said, uh, thank you for listening, gentle listener. Um, No one lost, even though Michael tried to lay a pretty clumsy trap for me in that last remark of his uh that said so no punishments um no ratings right we're just gonna wait till the end to rate this stuff yes uh and to introduce the next book um all right so if you haven't already go read uh soseki natsume's i am a cat Uh, give us your feedback you can use the contact section of tapestryradio.org you can talk to us at room with scotch on twitter at bjartlett on twitter that's at b-j-a-r-t-l-e-t-t michael can they get you on twitter
1: uh sure they can at m-g-l-i-l-i-e-n-t-h-a-l
0: um does the tapestry radio tap house is that still a thing Okay, that's on I Facebook. So. Request to join. We'll let you in unless you're yeah. a dog. Um, we <laughs> will do your homework. We won't do it well, but we'll do it funny, and then when you verbatim write down everything we say, you'll get hauled off to plagiarism jail, and that's even funnier. Uh, <laughs> that's, again, same place. Um, radio.org contact section. If you like this podcast, check out our other shows. Uh, There's Intermission, our audio drama podcast. let Us Play Fiasco, our fiasco RPG improv podcast. Freddy Goes to a podcast where three grown men read through a children's book series from 100 years ago. Uh, Pokemon Rollout, our Pokemon Tabletop United actual play RPG podcast. Um... Rate and mm-hmm. review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get the the podcasts. Um since we don't pay to advertise, that's the best way for other people to know about us. And until next time, gentle listener, just remember, mm-hmm. it's our party and we'll cry if industrialization makes us. <laughs> and it
1: does. And it does. Okay, we love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm okay, I'll make it.